grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've got your notepads ready to go tonight because Professor Nikki from Flirt Adult Store is going to be giving us a fascinating history lesson all about the history of sex toys dating back to prehistoric times, if you can believe that. If you ever wanted to impress your friends at your next dinner party, this is definitely the episode for you, full of information you didn't know you needed. I'm Louise Wilkinson, and you're listening to After Dark on Newcastle Live. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Well, if you thought that we were very, very progressive in the 21st century, think again. Because while we have at our fingertips a whole plethora of sex toys and sexual acts that we can get into, let me tell you, we are not trailblazing by any stretch of the imagination. And tonight... Nikki from Flirt Adult Store, who has bought us Sex Toys 101 and educated us over a period of about two years on After Dark, is going to be giving us a little bit of a history lesson tonight on the history of sex toys. Professor Nikki, welcome back to After Dark. I love that, Professor Nikki. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to do this. This is going to be really good because normally we have like brief little chit chats, but today you guys get to hear about like the very first known to man adult toys and it's actually really, really interesting. Yeah, and look, you know, we sort of, you know, have our chats off air and that sort of thing and send us send each other things and We came across this and I think both of us got a little bit fascinated about, you know, the the origins of sex toys and how far it actually goes back. So, you know, if you were thinking that, you know, we're we're just horny now, um, no, that would appear not to be the case. It's been like at the start of time. It blows my mind how creative and how innovative these toys were in those times and how people came up with the ideas. Like, it's crazy. This is going to be a real good conversation piece for you guys. So buckle up, listen in, take some notes, because you're going to learn some really interesting, um, you know, history about adult toys. I'm excited for this one. I am so excited. So... We're actually going to start in the in the prehistoric era, if you can believe That's that. It. Yeah. So the oldest sex toy known to man is dated around twenty eight thousand BC. It was discovered in a cave in Germany, and it resembles a modern day internal dildo, but it was made out of stone. Like, how creative is that? Yeah, and look, you know, okay, so made out of stone. So you're telling me that someone has actually polished this stone because obviously yep. if it if it was jagged, that wouldn't go very well, would it? Um, no, it's all polished. It's got little um, etched rings around of it for extra stimulation. Looking at the picture that I saw, I was like, whoever thought of that 
sorted everything in that in that fine detail. They have the polished stone for obviously so it's more pleasurable and it and it doesn't hurt you. It's got these rings like that are carved <laughs> into it for extra stimulation, which could be indoor, outdoor. Whoever made this, they are like incredibly talented because back in the day, that's all they had was stone. But to come up with this, pictures of this would have taken like the this work in there would have taken hours, if not days, to create polish it and polish it and get it all there it's in, it's incredible wow i mean that is that is a thoughtful anniversary gift for um you know for wilma um if you were fred <laughs> <laughs> exactly some of these ones do look like you know it is um you know some of them further on in this um episode are foot powered and i just kept thinking of the flintstones going oh my god they've thought of it all i know so, yeah. we're never going to look at the flintstones the same way after this yeah. conversation i don't think Fred just kept coming up in my head <laughs> yabba, yabba, do, the whole time and i was giggling to myself going foot powered toys like oh my goodness like imagine if you had to get off like that these days no oh, one would be doing it. No, because we're all very lazy. We don't even want to change the channel on the TV anymore. That that stay's gone past. I mean, you know. Exactly. <laughs> we get people who come in and buy new toys because they can't be bothered to charge them. So oh, they're like, oh, I'll just get a God. new one. And I'm like, oh, my bless you. You can charge it in your car, charge it anywhere. But, yeah, imagine if we all had to go back to those days. Jesus. All right. So we've we've – Talked about the stone one, which is the oldest dildo known to man prehistoric. Mm-hmm. But then going forward a little bit in time, they got a little bit more uh, experimental with the materials that they used. Yes. Yeah, so some of them used um, porous stone, so you got more sensation. Some of them used actual animal bones to create a different sensation. Trees, um, you know, deep root earth roots or whatever they're called so yep. whatever they could find they really made um they they used the natural materials of that of those times and really got quite creative with the way that they were looking at making you know toys for penetration which is insane unbelievable isn't it i mean I know. yeah and the fact that you know it's it's blatantly obvious sort of what they were when, you know, when they're, they're discovering it. I mean, I'm sort of, um, you know, we, we've sort of been looking at um, at some history and, you know, we're going back, you know, 28 BC, um, you know, then they found another one, 6,000 BC. It's just oh, insane. insane. Yeah. I know. Mm. And how, like, you look at them and they actually do look like modern-day toys. They really <laughs> do. Like, how- some of them, I'm shocked. I'm like, that is an actual dildo. Like, yeah. how did you do that? With, you know, a tree, a tree stump or a piece of wood, it just blows my mind that they even knew the anatomy of the body then back in those days. Like, it, yeah. it always seems so modern, the toys that we look at in stores now and going, oh, someone's really got to know, you know, the body. It's probably been created digitally, you know, on a computer, come up with this program to, you know, get all the right spots. But these people, you know, back in, you know, 28 BC, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I wish everyone could – I feel like if – I wish everyone could see what we're talking about, but definitely look it up because you would be amazed by the look of these toys that you're looking at. Like they are proper toys that would sell today. (laughs) It's insane. Absolutely. And, look, um, there's one that was discovered uh, in, like – Ancient Egypt. Now, Egypt has always fascinated me, and I believe that the ancient Egyptians were 
absolutely a definitely horny bunch because oh. Yeah, the the hieroglyphics and stuff that you see with the Egyptians, but they did discover um, this this phallus that you look at it and you would swear to God that um, <laughs> it was created in the modern day. It was just incredible. Um, it is a proper dildo. Yeah, or you know, it's it's shaped with a, the head like a penis. It's got girth at the bottom. It's it's definitely you know replicated from someone who was either a penis owner or was very fond of the penis because it it just looks exactly like the stuff I sell today. It's insane how accurate these toys were. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of people would actually be really shocked to, uh, to know that there is actually a record of sex toys in the Bible, if you can believe that. In the ancient, um, that's in the time of the Babylon. Yeah. It actually um, was written by Prophet Ezekiel, who basically wrote in there that, um, you know, once in a lifetime, all women are required to visit the temple of Ashtar and offer themselves to a stranger in exchange for money, which is what we call modern day prostitution, basically. It's insane. That's mental. Absolutely. I know. You know, yeah, and it is. We've been horny for years. Yeah. I can't get over it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in Ezekiel sixteen seventeen, it says, mm-hmm. Thou hast also taken thy fair jewels of my gold and silver, which I have given thee, and maddest to thyself images of men, and discommit whoredom with them. Yeah. How great is it? Unbelievable. I love it. <laughs> Look at us. We're having a great time going down, you know, going down through history. Yeah, 100% we are. Now, if the Egyptians were horny, um, there's a reason why Mark Antony and Cleopatra hooked up because so were the Greeks. Oh, weren't they what? Yeah. <laughs> the Greeks are renowned for embracing their sexuality. Mm. They always have. And the first documented use of a dildo comes from ancient Greece. Right. Yeah. Mm, okay. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah. And their sex toys were called olibulus. I hope that's how I'm saying it. And they were made from leather and stuffed with wool and polished to ensure a smooth finish. <laughs> wow. I know. I I can just see it now, you know, beautiful Greek ladies and men sitting around draped in white. Mm. And you know, using beautifully polished tools for pleasure—it's um—it's almost like a modern-day porn. But it's um—that's what they did. It's it's lovely. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, it it was a very hedonistic time, wasn't it? I mean, you know, like the reclining, mm-hmm. the reclining, eating grapes and that sort of thing. Uh, but what we yeah. what we probably didn't see in the picture is the dildo being used on the other end. Exactly. And they <laughs> also had eight different names that they would refer to dildos with, which is insane, wow. where we normally just call them now dildos or dongs. Yeah. That's what I call it, a dildo or a dong or a rubber dick. Um, but yeah. yeah, they had eight different names that they would refer to them as, but the olibus was the most co- common one. Jeez. I know. <laughs> Are you learning things out there? I think you, you must be. Now, um, there is also a mention of one of your favourite things that you are always at pains to mention whenever you're talking about sex toys, and that is that the Greeks 
worked out what to use for lubricant. I know. I love, love, love how creative that they got with their use of lubricant. And putting something that is leather in your body is going to obviously not be easy. But with the use of their lubricants that they do, um, makes it to be a really great, a great, that's probably the first known, I would say, use of lubricant that I've ever come across. Yeah, yeah. Which was good old olive oil. Now, not oh. that we are condoning using olive oil, particularly on your modern day sex toys, because they will melt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, they <laughs> they used olive oil for their lubricant back in the day. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm sure that that would have made it uh, a lot more smooth because, um, yeah, leather, I can, I can imagine – um, would be a little bit irritating if they didn't. Exactly, but what a great use of an oil like that! And we would say to people, if you're if you're ever without lube at home and you ever really need to desperately use it for penetration, that would be the one thing that I'd say to go to. But not on toys, no but for penetration. If you need to go for that because it's you know it's nourishing for the skin and it's um you know it's it's almost like it's a it's a natural product. But definitely, as Louise said, not for toy play, yeah. not for play toy play at all. Yeah. How good are the Greeks? I love them. Yes, so I love them. So good. <laughs> yes, <Yassu. laughs> Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely debauched. I love it. Okay. Now, um, we're going to 400 BC now and ancient India. And I'm sure that a lot of people have heard of this term and practice it and think they're all very woke, but we forget that the Kama Sutra was actually put together in ancient India. Oh, wasn't it what? It is honestly something that people come in at least, you know, three, four times a week asking if we've got any books on Kama Sutra, any great websites we can recommend because people are always wanting to find different ways to pleasure their partners and ways for things to last longer, which is a little comes back into that kind of tantra play. So, um, yeah, India, how good's that? They've got... Um, not only do they have the best food in the world, I'm going to say it, but they also, um, you know, created Kama Sutra. They did. Which is amazing sex positions. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different ones. It's insane. Yeah. And they were the first ones, the first reference that any historian can find mm-hmm. about using sex dolls. I know. That shocked <laughs> me too. How good is it? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I love it. Sex dolls. Like to practice things on and different things and, you know, they even hold it out pumpkins and practice on things like that. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. They also were the first people to have a treatment option for erectile dysfunction as well by hollowing out bamboos and reeds and and things and strapping them on, which is the equivalent to a modern-day strap-on. Again, getting creative with what they've got around them. Blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. there's a mention of penis implants in ancient India. Yes, where they can um, make the penis appear to be bigger. It's insane, isn't it? <laughs> and here we were thinking we were just so revolutionary here where we sit today. I love it. And they just inserted things under the penis, to, you know, for pleasure for females and males. It's just, and these devices look, you know, almost like a torture device. But it probably, with the skin back over, it would have been, you know, quite pleasurable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so we're going to jump 
to the Han Dynasty in China. Um, now, I did have – I shouldn't be mean, and but I did have a little bit of a giggle that it was just such a, a very n- neat and minute um, penis that um, that was discovered and it was bronze um, in, the, in the second century BC, if you can believe that. Um, but uh, <laughs> they um, – the, what really interested me was that um, there was some absolutely beautiful, I'm sure you will agree, jade butt plugs discovered. Oh, beautiful. Like obviously jade's a beautiful natural stone mm. and it would be quite um, heavy as well. So it would give you a fuller kind of, you know, heavier feeling. But it would also be you could temperature play with that back in the day. So they were probably making them quite cold by leaving them outside or even putting it in warm water. So using a natural stone is still a modern-day practice. There are companies out there that make millions of dollars every year selling, um, you know, stones made out of natural – I mean, dildos made out of natural products. It's incredible. It's probably where the first idea came from. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I was really uh, interested to see was that this was the first evidence of a double ender. Yes, yes. (laughs) So Louis Sheng created the world's first double dildo. It was made out of stone and it had little eggs on the side and this could be to train the muscles of your partner and this was when homosexuality was widely accepted during the Han Dynasty. So it was more likely used by, you know, same-sex couples to have sex with, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks Again, it looks like a modern day product. It, it looks like something that I would jump on. Like it's great. <laughs> I, it looks so. It looks great, and it's got these little kind of balls on top of it at the very bottom to where, like, you two. If it was female on female, to where the two vulvas would meet, which is like extra pleasure again. Yeah, like it's insane. It's absolutely insane looking at these things. Like I can't get over how much these products, if they were displayed in our stores, would sell to this day. Yeah. 100% they would. 100%. Absolutely. So, look, we're going to we're going to skip to medieval times. And um, <laughs> because times have changed, I say that with my tongue firmly in my cheek, the Catholic Church was the primary institution um, that was concerned with sexual transgressions in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they were considered – so the, the Catholic Church was basically, uh, you know, telling everybody that these instruments were instruments of diabolical operation and that female <laughs> masturbation was the most horrible sin. Well, I think we're all going oh, to hell, I'll be going to hell then. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to hell because I, I embrace female masturbation. I do it daily. It is part of my wake-up routine. You know how some people get up, they have a protein shake, you know, they go for a walk. I yep. get up, I masturbate, and I start my day. So um, I'd be definitely going to hell, definitely. Yeah, and it's lucky you weren't a nun because it says here um, that, that one of the scriptures that they found, if a nun is caught with another nun using any of these dildos, it's seven years penance. That's a lot of penance, Nikki. That's a lot. And yeah. you know what? Because it's so, it feels so good, I probably would have taken that. <laughs> I would have <laughs> taken that punishment. It's like we got to agree. How good does it feel? Like I'm always so pro. We just came out of masturbation, May too. I'm all about letting people to know that masturbation is so natural. And I say to people, it's been going on 
for centuries and centuries and centuries. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I would definitely probably take the punishment. Yeah. I would look, be a naughty nun for sure. You- <laughs> <laughs> I can just see it. I've just got, uh, yeah, you know, the, the best visual. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. So, Katarina um, Heldorsdorfer of Spina, I don't even know where that is. Um, was accused of fashioning a male member out of leather, cotton and wood. Uh, So, yeah, look, um, yeah, I think that she was really raked over the coals and, you know, probably uh, didn't care either, Um, you know. And it's quite a beautiful shoe to look at. Like it looks like an art piece. Yes. But then again, you know, when you're horny, you start looking around your house for things that you can put in your body. And if they only had a shoe that had quite a long toe point to it, um, kudos to them for using it. I think it's great. I, you know, it's getting killing two birds with one stone. You can walk around with it all day and then you can yeah. <laughs> pleasure yourself with it later. Yeah. So for those of you who are uh, stiletto aficionados, um, what we're referring to here is the plane, which was a shoe with a very, very, very pointy tip. And what used to happen at dinner parties in um, in quarters and times was that um, the men would wear these shoes and they would then use the pointed toe to go up the skirt of the lady sitting across from them. And it wasn't unusual for uh, a few orgasms to actually happen around the dinner table in between soup and entree. Love it. The best. I love it. They're just like we are now. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes me feel good that we've all just been this same, you know, we're all, you know what it reminds me, it, it, it's really good because it makes me think how creative that these, you know, this has been going on for so long. It doesn't make us all feel like what we're doing is so dirty because it is so normal because it's been going for centuries. Yes. And you know what? I really feel like we have just exposed the writers of When Harry Met Sally because clearly this is where they got their idea for the diner scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, look, we're going to the Renaissance now. Um, we're still going. Can you believe this? And and the I best know, is we- yet to come. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> excuse the pun. Um, but, um, yeah, so, look, we've got a, a reference to a modern-day dildo uh, using olive oil again as lubricant, and it was called the Diletto. Um, so very close to, um, to what we, what we call it now. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we started getting into a little bit of glass formation of dildos as well around this time, um, which you would obviously very need to be uh, very careful of, um, you know, and, um, and, and what I loved was that, um, there was a guy called John Wilmot and he was the Earl of Rochester and he imported dildos into England and the club, he had a club and the club was called Ballers. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. It's like you can't make this stuff up. You really I'm can't. I'm reading it going, oh, my gosh. I know. All right. So very exciting times in the 18th century because uh-huh. we we introduced you, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please, the clockwork vibrator. <laughs> oh, my God. This one is 
It was invented in France in 1734 and it was available from medical instrument suppliers in the American colonies by the 1750s. Yep. Yep. And it was purchased by doctors. Because it was expensive. (laughs) Yep. And you could go to your doctors and get off. It was insane. Unbelievable. Um, Look, you know, it's um, that all obviously also uh, one of the first erotic fictions was um, was written in the 1790s um, by the Marcus de Chard. And he wrote about bondage toys such as whips and handcuffs and, you know, all of that fun stuff as well as uh, the clockwork uh, vibrator. Um, so, yeah, look, that's, um, that's the first of, um, of the erotic fictions that we've, that we've kind of found. Mm-hmm. Right. So and bondage. Bondage is massive. I so know. He's like the godfather, the pioneer. I have to let my customers know this now. Oh. Did you know? Yeah, <laughs> that Marquis Silla said. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to. Everyone who comes in here today is going to get an education. Now, look, 1844 was an important time for uh, sex aids because Charles Goodyear didn't it only is. yeah didn't only deal with tires, did he? No, no, he literally made um, rubber dildos, which was. <laughs> incredible for that time and the picture that I'm looking at is like a the first sex machine known to mankind these things are used in porn it's got you know your bicycle tire yeah um, you know how you've got your bike and it's got that little chain it's got one of those on it so it obviously looks like it's either hand operated or foot operated mm. but um, he actually made rubber which you could use for dildos condoms and other sex toys wow. rubber. I know. We've yep. come a long way from rubber. And you thought Goodyear was just tyres. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, so good. Now, what I really loved, this is probably my favourite. So we're starting to get into um, there was like uh, steam-powered vibrators and all sorts of different contraptions. Um, but doctors – discovered that they could use these contraptions for hysteria in female patients. So you've got a female, she's a bit high strung, off she goes to the doctors, and what does the doctor do? An orgasm. (laughs) I love it. I'm booking an appointment tomorrow. We don't get this service offered anymore. Um, no. No, but, yeah, this is actually a true story. So females would go to the doctors and the doctors would pop them up on the bed and use a hand-cranked vibrator to get them off, which would, in inverted commas, cure the hysteria. Now, I don't know about you, Nikki, but, um, you know, I, I think I'm down with that whole concept that, um, yeah, yeah we do turn it. into complete bitches. Um, I just need the doctor to look like one of those Greek gods that we were talking about oh, before. Oh, stop be it. <laughs> stop it. Oh, I know. Okay. Now, the 1890s were also very significant because this is uh, – so we started to get um, film and motion pictures happening and, <laughs> yep, 
somebody made a porno in 1890. <laughs> yeah, and some of the early films included shots of women masturbating with various sex aids like sex toys, strap-ons, dildos and massages. So, yeah, that's, that's porn. That's how it started. Yep. Unbelievable. It's been around forever. All right, so we're getting into the into the 1900s now, and can you believe, ladies and gentlemen, that by 1920 there was over 20 vibrator models on the market. Now I'm looking at them; a lot of them remind me of hair dryers. Um, they look like hair dryers, and they look like kitchen aids. Like you yeah. could either dry your hair with it, or you'd be, you know, whipping some potatoes with it in the kitchen. Hundred um, percent, yeah. yeah. Very innovative for the time, and you know, obviously, um, <laughs> this is great. Are you ready? This is if you take nothing else out of this chat that Nikki and I are having, this is it. The vibrator was the fifth household appliance to be electrified ten years before the vacuum cleaner. I think that says it all. I know. Yep, it was Isn't high priority. Insane? Yeah, the fifth household appliance. <laughs> appliance to be electrified. That is incredible. Yep. See, people, it is not strange, weird, wrong to own sex toys. It was the fifth household appliance to be electrified. That says it all. It does. I we mean, should before, put that in our ad slogan. You really should. Before the, <laughs> the before home the, of the fifth yeah, household appliance. Yeah, before the it was before the vacuum cleaner and before the iron. So, ladies, if there's a choice – between having an afternoon with yourself and doing the vacuuming or the ironing, I know which one you will pick because um, obviously on the uh, on the scale of importance, it's right up there, fifth. Yep, I love it. <laughs> We're learning stuff, people, conversation pieces. You can thank us later for these amazing conversation pieces we're giving you today. Absolutely. Now, in 1971, there was a little lady called Betty Dodson um, who started to teach masturbation workshops uh, and how to use a vibrator specifically. I love her. I love her. I've actually heard of her before because her reputation is worldwide Mm. um, and she's a massive inspiration for why at Alert Adult Store, we do classes in store teaching people how to, you know, discover their body, pleasure it in different ways, what parts of the body do this and what parts of the body do that. And how it's basically all comes down to how, you know, how to pleasure the body. So, um, yeah, she's an incredible woman. Um, please look her up because she's absolutely fantastic if you've got five minutes. But, yeah, she had workshops to teach people how to masturbate. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, now, in 1977, um, there was a sex therapist called Joni Black who opened the first store, so the flirt precursor, um, mm-hmm. and her store was called Good Vibrations. Oh. And it's still a store um, named today that often lots of adult stores around the world we use. There's actually a Good Vibrations in South Australia. So, um very common name for adult stores, but, you know, good for her for doing it. And being female-owned, you know, creating a sex-positive place for people is is what she did. And she went out and she did it on her own. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. And I can see photos of her holding all these fantastic instruments. Some of them look like the ones that I've got at home, and some of them that I'm looking at don't actually look that amazing to <laughs> use, and they more look like 
some kind of like brush cleaner, but it probably would have had a, a great feeling on the clitoris anyway. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, some of them look like gum. You could do the shower screen with them. Um, yeah. But, okay, now this is a little bit of a backward step, but I find it so shocking that we're talking about the late 1990s here mm-hmm. and um, certain laws that were passed in America. I know. Isn't it weird? When I read this one, I was a little shocked. So Alabama follows Georgina's lead and implements an outlawing of sex toys, punishable by heavy fines and even jail time. When I read that, I thought, but why would you do that? Why would you do that to people? Why would you want to um, outlaw something that brings someone so much pleasure? The thing is, though, we're not talking about the 1930s or the 1920s here. We're talking about the late... 1990s that yeah america thinks that it's a great time to outlaw sex toys i just can't get over that when i read that i i did i couldn't say anything for a few minutes because i was in so much shock yeah because i i had to look at the date again and i thought the late 1990s like I remember finding my parents' sex toys in the late 1990s, and yeah. there was a fair few. <laughs> they didn't have a, they didn't just have a small little box. And I just can't believe that in those times, which doesn't feel like that long ago, that this was such a big thing that they were trying to get um, taken off the market and trying yeah. to make it a actual law that you couldn't have them. It blows my mind because that still seems very modern to me. Yes. In the history track that we've gone down today, the late 90s feels like yesterday in the sex toy world. Yeah. When, you know, we were just talking about rock formations being used for, you know, rocks and, you know, antler bones being used for pleasure products. Insane. Yeah, 100%. But um, there were four um, very influential ladies that, um, that really put sex toys on the map in 1998, and yep. I think we've mentioned this before girls. in our chats. Yep. Yep. Our favourite, favourite four girls, Kerry, Samantha, Miranda. And Charlotte. And gonna, and Charlotte. My sister's a Charlotte. That's why I leave her for last. <laughs> they touched over some of the most influential and highest selling adult toys to date on their TV show. And it became, it was the biggest boost for the adult industry it ever has had. So they talked about the rabbit. Remember when Charlotte couldn't get out of bed because she fell in love with a rabbit? Yes. Um, Still to this day, people will come in going, oh, but I need it to look like that one. (laughs) And will like, it needed to have the rabbits and have the rotation head and like the little beads in it. Um, And then obviously you've got Samantha who would masturbate in bed all day with her back massager that she'd take back to the shop and call it a vibrator. (laughs) So we're getting, all these sex toys that we use on that show as props and, you know, and storylines are still popular choices for women today because who doesn't know someone that didn't watch this show? I grew up on it it made me feel that what I was doing in my choice of lifestyle in my early teens, on oh no, late teens to early, you know, 20s, I wasn't disgusting or gross or, you know, having too much sex because these people were doing it as well. So not only did they make us women feel empowered and amazing because if they could do it, we could do it, but they really brought sex toys into the light to make it feel like it was okay to have them and mm. it was okay because if they could do it, so could we. Absolutely. However... Um, it took a further five years 
until 2003 till there was a case called Lawrence versus Texas that pushed the decision to lift the ban on sex toys, if you can believe it. Thank God it did. Yeah. (laughs) 2003, that is ridiculous. That was 20 years ago Mm -hmm. that there was still a law in place that made sex toys illegal. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. And, of course, since then, um, we've come a long way. We have, um, you know, we have Bluetooth devices. We have a whole load of different um, textures, vibrating speeds, different patterns, butt plugs, everything. And you can find them all at Flirt Adult Store. And if you are an After Dark podcast listener, you get an extra special treat. So we have got 30% off code for you guys to use at checkout online at www.floodadultstore.com.au. Just type in live30 at checkout and that will instantly give you 30% off. Or if you want to pop into our store at Hamilton, which is located at 90 Beaumont Street, Pop in there, say to the girls, I'm a listener of the show. Louise and Nikki sent me here with my 30% discount and that will be applied to you in store. So, um, but do have a read because it's been a really interesting walk back through. Um, mm. I still can't get over the American, the Americans, but look what they're doing at the current thing. But that's a, other, a, a whole nother story. It is. <laughs> um, I think they're just a bit wrong. Right, right. But, um, yeah, have a look through. It's a great conversation piece. I know you guys weren't stuck today, um, and I will never look at a pointy pair of shoes again the same way. <laughs> never. It's changed. It's changed it forever. Absolutely it has. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us and educating us on sex toys through the ages. I'm sure we all learnt a thing or two that we can discuss at our next dinner party and look so interesting and educated. Love it. Have a good one. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Well, I don't know about you, but I found some of that absolutely fascinating. And I don't think I'll be looking at my high heel shoes with the pointy toes the same way after that. I'll see you same bat time, same bat channel next Tuesday. I'm Louise Wilkinson and you've been listening to After Dark on Newcastle Live.